First of all, good evening and welcome to Sacred Heart. Just a quick show of hands if this is your very first encounter night at Sacred Heart. You just embarrassingly raise your hands. Okay, good. Welcome. We hope it's not your last. And um, to those of you who didn't raise your hand, whether you're just too embarrassed to raise your hand, or it really is not your first encounter night here, welcome back. We're glad you're here. Um, we are super excited for tonight. It's been a couple months since we had encounter night, and we are kicking it off with a bang tonight. Um, I went over and talked to Coach Deggs just a minute. I'm like, hey, I'm Christy Savoy. I'm going to be the one to introduce you tonight. He was like, oh, good, just say Coach Matt Deggs. I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, I know you just met me, but that's not how I roll. So um, let me give you a little bit of information. Um, I asked around a few people to try to get some, some little t extra tidbits from the bio that Heather gave me. Um, and funny enough, which struck my heart as a fellow coach's wife, the first response was, man, his wife is amazing. Not he's amazing, but his wife, Kathy, is amazing. I'm like, oh, that's speaking to my coach's wife heart right here. Um, so, Kathy, you're here, I assume. You want to stand up? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for indulging me. Yes, she deserves a round of applause, y'all. It takes a special kind of woman to be a coach's wife. So um, thank you. Thank you for all you do to allow him to live out his passion. So um, Coach Matt Deggs, he's the head baseball coach for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns here in Lafayette, married to his high school sweetheart, Kathy, and they have three amazing children, Kyler, Claire, and Chloe, which I believe Chloe, you're Chloe? Yes, Chloe is with us tonight. Um, this is Coach Deggs' second round at UL. First time was 2012 to 2014 when he was an assistant coach leading the hitting. And then he came back in 2019 after spending five seasons at the, um, as the head coach of the Sam Houston State University baseball program. He accepted the head coach position here at UL after his mentor and best friend, the late Tony Robichaux's passing. Deggs, a longtime underdog and overachiever, has always considered it his mission to defy the odds and prove that nothing is impossible if you set your heart and your mind to it. He has a couple of books that he's written, um, one which includes 15 to 28, A Story of God's Love, Power, and Redemption, about his testimony, and the pack, about what he calls the wolf pack mentality. So maybe we'll hear a little bit about that tonight, but if not, there's a book about it. Um, and most importantly, he lives by this verse, Matthew 19, 26. For with God, all things are possible. And he's here tonight to share his testimony of hope with us. So without further ado, we'd like to invite out Coach Matt Deggs. Thank you. Great job. Every, uh, every great team has what you call a glue guy. You guys know what I'm talking about? They say that's the, that's the glue guy. And it's, it, you know, it's a, I've spoken at a lot of places all, all across the country, and that's the first time anybody's had Kathy stand up. And uh, 
she is our glue guy. And uh, that's the reason that that we're still together and, and our family is intact because Chloe's here as well and uh, somebody that's just like a son to me is here as well. This is Mike Strentz right here and uh, he's, he's as near and dear to me as a son. He, he's, part, he's one of the guys that helped save my life and uh, believe it or not, he was a vital part of the 2014 team and so I'm glad you're here, Big Cajun. We call him the Big Cajun. If y'all see him, you know why. Uh, <laughs> I got a little bit of a PowerPoint for you guys tonight, and I'm sure at some point, Coach Murphy is gonna show up. Do you guys know who Coach Murphy is? Anybody ever heard of Coach Murphy? Well, it's, it's Coach Murphy of Murphy's Law fame. Y'all know who I'm talking about? He always shows up, and I just wanna kick him, and uh, especially when it comes to tech, but, uh, you know, Kathy is our glue guy or, or glue lady, and I'm so glad they had you stand up. And I always like to show this picture right here. What do we got going on right here? And I'm going to have to, hey, so you guys know, I'm going to have to fly through some of these stuff. They said I got 30 minutes. And she wants me to go over the pack offense, Big Cajun. So <laughs> you think we got enough time? I don't know. We got our associate head coach here tonight, too, Coach Seth Thibodeau. I just said, and his, uh, you got family with you here tonight? Okay. There's a lot of Thibodeaux, so I didn't know if they're filling up a couple of rows. What do we got going on in this picture right here? Anybody tell me? We, we got a, a pelican, right? We can identify with that, with a, a bullfrog in his throat. And what's the bullfrog got going on? The bullfrog has both hands wrapped around the pelican's throat. Who wins in this scenario? Who wins? And I show you this up front because it's going to tie everything I talk about tonight. It'll tie everything together. Who wins in this scenario? What'd you say, sir? It's real simple. The one that wins in this one is the one that never lets go. You never let go, babe. Thank you. Thank you. She never let go. I talk to our team a lot about that. The one that wins is the one that never, ever, ever, ever lets go. And to me, that's what Cajuns are all about, is family and hope and love and faith and never, ever, no matter how dire things get, what are Cajuns known for? No matter how dire it gets, what do you guys do? Everybody jumps in and helps. It's the one that never lets go. It's because connection equals sacrifice. And I'm gonna show you guys this. How do I go back, Fabes? There's Coach Murphy. I'm saying this is family, you know. When you get fired, it humbles you. I spent 430 days outside Coach the Murphy game. show up, Everybody wait, don't run from me. Uh, you know, you were here with the Aggies in 2011, and I wasn't, I was fired. And uh, I just sit there and watch the Aggies play. And God has brought me full circle. Look at the kid on my right. I was dead and he saved me. And so, I'm a transformational coach now. 
It's not about wins or losses. It's about love. It's about building men, building relationships that'll last forever. I got a second chance. This guy's a second chance guy. This guy's a second chance guy. This guy's a second chance guy. We're about building people up. You know, it's not Mission Omaha. It's Mission Build and Save Lives. And that's what we're in the business of doing. This is the most unselfish, selfless group of men and families I've ever been around. This is rare in this day and age. Rare in a, in a microwave society where it's all about entitlement and all about when do I get to play. This guy's playing with a broken left hand right now. Nobody knows that. His left hand's broken. Last year he played with a broken wrist. Last year Taylor Bean played with a broken thumb. I won't even get into the rest of the litany of injuries that are going on with this team right now. Andrew Frije just walked up to me in the dugout and said, give my last at bat to Nate Van Dyke. Robbie Rojas gave up his last at bat so Hunter uh, Sutherland could catch. You know, there is no greater honor, and this is, uh, I could preach. It's what I wish our, our country would get back to. There's no greater honor than the sacrifice for a brother. And that encapsulates and embodies this team to a T. That's why they're so lovable. Isaiah 43.1 says, Don't be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. You are mine. As I was leaving UL after the spring of 2014, we're the number one ranked team in the nation, 58 and 10. family, you know, for years I would... He won't stop us, will he, too? <laughs> God spoke to my heart that day. You know, I had SEC offers, this and that, and he said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you on just a little bit bigger stage. And I'm, I'm selfish, egotistical, arrogant, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to get a head job in an SEC and this and that. And then years later, looking back, I see that video. That video right there was us coming off a 19 to nothing butt kicking at Florida State and Sam Houston State's first ever Super Regional. We got run out of their ballpark. And I woke up the next day after that video, I had no idea. The kids told me that the video, whatever you did last night, coach, in the press conference has gone viral. And I thought, oh my God, we're in trouble. I, I didn't even know what tech was. I didn't, I didn't even have Twitter back then. And I heard viral because we had a pretty wild group. I didn't know what was going on. I, viral, what? No, that just means a lot of people are checking it out, coach. And that, that press conference there, I just spoke from the heart. God told me that was going to happen. He said, tell your story. And I just spoke from the heart. And uh, it was viewed by 50 million plus people worldwide. And, and looking back, I realize now that that was a little bit bigger stage that God has intended. He's got a habit of taking the broken and using those broken things. He doesn't call the equipped all the time. He equips a call. And uh, he spoke that to me. And uh, just by opening that door right there, I was able to, to like she said, introduce me, write a book, 15 to 28, story of God's love, power, and redemption. And I've been able to speak hundreds of times all, all across the country. And it's probably my favorite thing to do. I probably enjoy this more than coaching, actually, because there's somebody sitting in this room tonight that's lost, that's hopeless, that's broken, that's alone, that's living in despair, sin, guilt, shame, regret. And they're living in a lie. 
and they're running low on hope. And I just want to tell you tonight, I don't know who you are. You don't have to raise your hand. That's okay. God wants me to tell you, it's all right. It's going to be okay. See, there's nothing beyond his grasp. I promise you that. Corey Asbury, you guys heard of that song, Reckless Love? Anybody heard of that? It says, there's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up coming after you. It says that he leaves the 99 to come after the one. And I'm living proof of that because I'm telling you, I was drunk, I was lost, I was hopeless, I was alone, I had blown through everything. I lost my family, I lost my job, I lost all my friends, and most importantly, I lost my identity. And God grabbed me by the back of the shirt, and he put me around these young men right here, and he said, come on, boy, we got work to do. And we've been able to share that message of, of the, it's really, it's a message of Matthew 19, 26. Like, like the young lady said that Jesus looked at him, he, laughed, he probably laughed, he probably chuckled. And he said, yeah, you're right. With man, this is impossible. But with God, I'm just telling y'all, all things are possible. But it's when that faith gets stirred and you take that one step of action, that's when the crazy stuff happens. See, just six years before that press conference, that press conference was in 2017. Anybody know what that's a picture of right there? Anybody tell me? Yeah, you got that right. It's me. I didn't even know this was possible. That's a picture of me. Anybody want to finish that? That's a picture of me passed out drunk sitting up. Did y'all know that was possible? I didn't even know that was possible, and it's... Uh, it's sobering now to look at, but that's how broken I was. Kathy snapped that picture of me right before everything just really fell apart for us. And uh, it's, it's hard to look at now, but it's not because I'm a new creation in Christ. And he has stripped all of that from me and the old is gone and the new has come. But I didn't want to live anymore. I'll tell you guys that. And I was lost, I was living in despair, I was hopeless and alone, I was unemployable. I, I, I had the bull by the horns, associate head coach at Texas A&M for six years. Before that, I was the hitting coach and recruiting coordinator at the University of Arkansas. At the age of 37, I was a finalist for the head coaching job at Mississippi State. Five Big 12 championships, two trips to Omaha, uh, SEC championship, which is probably harder than getting to Omaha. I had it going on, but I was living a lie. And I, 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 I really, I drank it all away and I threw it all away over a beer bottle, over a beer bottle. But it wasn't until God used, ladies and gentlemen, one man, one man, he used one earthly man to give me a second chance. And his name was Tony Robichaux, and I miss him dearly to this day, and I know a lot of people in here do too. But he sat me down in a room 430 days. I was outside of the game. Nobody would touch me. Coach Robichaux sat me down in a room, and this is exactly what he said to me. I don't care what you've done. I only care what you're going to do about it. And that was the first time in 430 days that anybody outside of possibly my family had shown me grace. And he gave me the gift. It's the greatest gift on earth in my opinion. He gave me the gift of a second chance. 
He gave me the gift of redemption. Redemption is the most powerful force on earth. I'll give you a quick example. Has anybody misplaced their phone lately? What about their wallet? Let me ask you this quick straw poll. Would you rather misplace your phone or wallet? That's, that's what I said. No, no, I say the opposite of that. Everybody says wallet. Why would you rather misplace your, your uh, phone than your wallet? Your phone has everything in it, correct? Either way it goes, you know what I'm talking about. Have you misplaced? Oh, y'all seen my phone? Anybody got my phone? Fabes, where are you at? Where's my phone? Oh, here it is. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord. Here's my phone. This will trip y'all out. Y'all know what, what time does that say? 628, Tib. 628. I get chills telling you guys that. Every time I look at a watch, a clock, or my phone, it's either 28, which is my number, or 36. Am I making this up, Tip? It's uncanny, and I'll tie, I'll tie this together for you guys uh, at the end. But Coach, Coach Rogue gave me a second chance. And, and to me, that's the, the number one thing that you can give anybody is the gift of a second chance. It's not the sin. The getting knocked down part, that's not the sin. That's not what people remember. It's the getting back up. That's what people want to see you do. And Coach gave me a second chance. He gave me an opportunity when nobody else would. And I did get up, and I did respond, and I did make the most of it. What Coach Rowe gave me was freedom. And like I said, it's not the getting knocked down. It's always the getting back up. I went from that guy, by the grace of God, passed out drunk, to that guy after we won the regional championship right here, at our field. I'm just telling you guys, when faith meets action, all things are possible. All bets are off. I tell our team all the time, make them ask how. That's how you make them ask how. That's how David made them ask how. David took down a 10-footer. Y'all know there was actually giants back then? He went out to the enemy lines when nobody else would, out to the battle lines, a 12-year-old shepherd boy that God had been grooming, killing bear and lion already, and he said, pick me, Saul, I'll go. And he reached down and he armed himself with a slingshot and a rock and a boatload of faith. And he, he engaged that slingshot and whoop, whoop, whoop. He stuck that thing right in Goliath's head and down went Goliath with a thud. But that's faith. And when that faith meets that action, I'm telling you, all things are possible. You're not beyond despair. You're not beyond hope. God can and will make all things new and all things beautiful in his time. And yes, God does have a sense of humor, okay? Unemployable, 430 days. When I got here in 2000, I got here in the middle of the season in 2012, okay? I'd been turned down from every job in the country. And that 2012 team, Big Cajun, might have been the worst team I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, hey, I had been working at a feed mill, okay? <laughs> and I was honestly second-guessing my decision to come here after I'd been here a few days. Uh, that team finished 23 and 30 and 12, but see, my eye, you know the number one thing the enemy wants to do is blind you. And when I laid all this down, my eyes started to slowly be open. And I started to walk a life of faith and sacrifice and obedience and service. And we went pretty much with the same guys, right? 
we, we, we released a few and we brought in a few new recruits, but it was pretty much the same base that had hit 260 in 2012, finished 23 and 30. The following year, we had the largest turnaround in the NCAA. We went 43 and 20 in 2013 and led the nation in 27 and 30 offensive categories. And that set the stage for the greatest year in the history of Cajun baseball, which was nothing more than a God thing. I'm just telling you that. We were a bunch of you-know-whats. We were just hungry and angry and mean, and we just came together, and we finished 58-10 and 10 and led the nation in offense again. I'm just telling you guys all things are possible. And, yeah, God does have a sense of humor because he took a drunk, and he put him right smack dab in the middle of where? Lafayette, Louisiana, to get him to do what? Quit drinking. <laughs> See, his kingdom is upside down. It doesn't make any logic to the so-called smart people. They talk about it in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31. It says, God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And he uses the weak things to shame the strong. And he uses the lowly things and the despised things to nullify the things that are so that nobody shall boast except in him. That's how God works. That's how he rolls. The Lord gets his best soldiers from the highlands of affliction. In 2012, 13, and 14, I'm going to tell you what, I had a second chance, and I coached angry. I coached hard. I coached on a mission, and that's the way we played. God does have a habit of using the broken things. It's all throughout the history of the Bible, and I tell you that because there's somebody broken in here tonight, and I'm telling you, you don't know when your story is not the story that is the key that unlocks somebody's chains that sets them free. Praise God, right? And so somehow after that season, I wound up in Huntsville, Texas. Anybody know what Huntsville is famous for? What? Yeah, that's a, that's a good picture of it right there. Y'all know what that's called right there? That's the walls unit. And that, oddly enough, was right behind our left field fence. It was. I'm not kidding. Am I lying? I'm not lying. That was right behind our left field fence. Y'all know why they call it the Walls Unit? I thought there was a dude named Mr. Walls. There's not. It's for the biggest, brownest, ugliest walls you've ever seen in your life. That's why they call it the Walls Unit. Now, do you know what goes down at the Walls Unit? We got a little thing in Texas called capital punishment. So if you're convicted of a capital crime, that went down right behind our left-field fence. That's where they did it. That's where the death row was. And they, in fact, took us on a tour of that one time. The warden personally took me and my coaches through there, and it will freak you out. It's a, the, the cell is right here, and then where they're going to put you down is, is literally 20 steps, and it's this greenish turquoise room with a gurney and a window here for the family and a window here in case the, the one that, that perpetrated the crime has any family. And I said, why is it painted turquoise? And the warden said, because the last warden just liked that color. I thought there was something to it, but it will really, really, it'll grab at you. And so I made it my mission. After everything that we had gone through and everything that we had been through and everything that Cajun Nation and these boys and Coach Rowe had meant to us and the restoration of our family and career and quitting drinking and everything else, I made it my mission. There was probably a hundred different ways 
I could have driven to the stadium every day from where we lived in Huntsville. But for five years, you know what I drove past on purpose every day? I drove past that Walls unit every single day on my way to work, on my way to the stadium, to remind myself of a couple of things. But for the grace of God, number one, I should be in that prison. I'm less than the least of any dude in that prison, as the Apostle Paul would say in Philippians. The only difference between me and dudes in that prison is what? They got caught. And the second thing that it would remind me and I would tell myself is the only thing more agonizing than living in a, a, a prison with four actual walls where somebody actually put you is living in a prison with four invisible walls where you've put yourself. There's more freedom in that prison than where I was living. See, darkness can't live in the light, and I was in the midst of a lie. At least those dudes that were in there, they could say, yeah, you got me. Galatians, and Galatians, Paul speaks about in Galatians 5, 1, he says, it was for freedom that I set you free, so that you shouldn't be shackled again to the, to the chains and bondage and slavery of sin. I set you free, son. And I drove by that every day for five years to remind myself of that, that I will never, ever, ever live as a captive again. I'm going to share with you guys if I got time. They said 30 minutes. When are we going to talk about the pack? That's what I need to know. <laughs> Is that going to be after this? I'm teasing you guys. I'm not going to keep you that long, all right? Five things I learned. Number one, there's two types of people in this world, those that are humble and those that are about to be humbled. Guess which one I was? I was the one that got humbled. I'm going to tell you some things real quick that will humble you. It will kick you right in the gut. Sit your family down and tell them that you lost your job. Or sit your kids down and try to tell them daddy's got to go into rehab while they grab a hold of your pant leg. Daddy, please don't go. Daddy, please. Daddy's got to go to rehab. That will humble you. Lose your house. That will humble you. Lose your family. That will humble you. I'm going to tell you something that will really humble you is I had put those teams together at A&M. I'd been there for five years. I'd coached all those dudes, recruited all those dudes, and I had to find this out the hard way. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what you do, whatever walk of life that it's in, they're going to win with or without you. I didn't think there's any way things would go on. I got fired right before the season started in 2011. You know what those Aggies had the nerve to do without me in 2011? They won the Big 12 championship. I'm watching this unfold from my parents' couch because I don't have anywhere else to live. That'll humble you. Thank God for parents that never let go. Not only did they win the Big 12 championship, they hosted and won a regional. Then they won a super regional, and guess where they went? All the way to Omaha. See, they're going to win with or without you. Man, that was humbling. Man, that was humbling. It's humbling being unemployable. I couldn't get hired back. I tried to go back to the old junior college that I helped take to the World Series as the head coach. I had the most successful five-year run of any coach ever coached there. They wouldn't even call me back. I grew up in Texas City, Galveston. Galveston Junior College had a job open. I was the associate head coach at A&M. Nope. I flew to South Dakota trying to get a job. Can you imagine coaching baseball in South Dakota? For the Jackrabbits. They, remember that? They flew me up there for the Jackrabbits. No, thanks for coming though. A little bit of NIAIA school in, in Nashville, nope, sorry. I'm gonna tell you probably the most humbling experience when I turned 40 
When I turned 40, I'd gone from associate head coach at A&M with a beautiful family, beautiful house, a lot of friends, to working at a feed mill about 20 miles outside of town, working at a feed mill, slinging deer corn, horse feed, deer feed, me and a bunch of Guatemalan dudes in the back of an 18-wheeler. We ain't got nothing in common. The only thing we got in common, we don't speak the same language. Only thing we got in common is y'all ever been in the back of an 18-wheeler in, in Central Texas in August? It'll get your attention. It's 40 bags to a pallet, right? That's it. That's the only thing that we got in common. That'll humble you. No, it wasn't until one man took a chance on me and I decided to get back up and respond and take one single step of action. That's when things changed in my life. See, nothing is going to change. This is the hard truth. God's not going to save you. That's hard to say, right? That's hard to say. Faith without action is what? It's nothing. It says it in the book of James. See, I was the king of drinking and praying. Anybody ever tried that one on? Yeah, you have. I know you have. Y'all know what I'm saying? Lord, please help me quit drinking. Please help me quit drinking. Lord, please help me quit drinking. I'm on my 11th beer. Please help me. Hold on, Lord. Please help me quit drinking. Like I said, darkness can't live in the light. Darkness by its very definition is what? It's an absence of light. No, God's not going to save you until you decide to get up. You can pray all you want, but you can't stay in the darkness. You got to stand up and take one single step of faith. And when I did that, he grabbed me and I'll never forget the day. It was February 28th, 2013. We were in what I call a wolf den. It was what we call a pack meeting. And I'm talking to all these hitters. And he was one of them. And I'm looking at these dudes. I was still drinking at the time. Not as much, but I was still drinking. I was still living a lie. But God was opening my eyes. Remember I said the enemy wants to blind you? God was opening my eyes. And we're talking about a game or hitting or something. And I'm looking at these guys. He doesn't even know this stuff. And I made myself a promise. Because I looked at him and I realized something. His mom's an alcoholic. His mom's been married five times. His daddy's in jail. His brother just died. His dad's an alcoholic. And I thought to myself while I was looking at these boys, oh my God, you've surrounded me with brokenness. And I'm the chief broken one amongst them. And I made a promise that day, February 28th, 2013, I will never, ever, 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 ever let you guys down again. And I ain't had a drink since that day. What month are we in right now? February. On the 28th, it'll be 11 years. See, I found my why that day. It's okay. Thank you. I found my why that day. I found my why, and you've got to have a why. You've got to have a motivation. See, motivation is awesome. It'll get you started, but it burns white hot. And then you've got to have an inspiration to sustain you. And I found my why and my inspiration on that day, and it was those broken boys. And I said, I'll never let you guys down again. You'll have to put a gun to my head and pull the trigger before I do. 
And soon enough, that spilled over into my family. See, it's crazy. I had proven over time, and I knew the Lord. I loved the Lord. I had proven over time I couldn't quit drinking for God. That's hard to admit. I couldn't quit drinking for my family. I couldn't quit drinking for my career. I couldn't quit drinking for myself. All the pleas, all the rehab, all the love, all the everything. It wasn't until God put me right here and surrounded me with these dudes that I found my why. I took that one single step. God grabbed me up and said, let's go, boy. We got work to do. And he put me to work since that day. Now, that picture you see right there, that's my baby girl. Right? Stand up, Clo-Clo. Again. That's a much older Chloe. And I'm a big believer in the eyes. I think you can look in people's eyes and you can see what's what real quick. Chloe, one day in church, we went to church on and off. I was still drinking, but this was what opened the door. This day right here it was a seminal moment in this whole grand play that God was orchestrating. And at the end of church, they offered a chance to just come on up and get baptized. And I don't know what struck Chloe. How old are you right there, sweetie? She's seven. She's 18 now. I don't know what, what struck her, but she said, I want to go up there and get baptized. Daddy, will you go with me? I had been baptized. And I said, sure, sweetie, I'll walk up there with you. So we walk up the stairs, and we're waiting in line. And we finally get to the tub. And the preacher says, Daddy, or... Uh, Dad, do you want to you take your daughter under? And I said, no, sir, preacher, you're gonna, today you're going to take us both under. I didn't know that was going to come over me, but I went under that water with her that day. And I don't even know if she knows this, but I came out of that water clear and bright-eyed, and my eyes were open. And that set the stage for me taking one step of action. The most important thing you'll ever do in your life is respond. You get knocked down, get up. Get knocked down seven, get up eight. Everybody likes to say adversity will make you a man or a woman. Adversity doesn't make you a man or a woman. Adversity only reveals where you're at as a man or a woman. And then the beautiful part about adversity, it gives you an opportunity to do something about it in front of everybody. I don't run from Coach Murphy. I don't run from adversity. I do like it says in the book of James, consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and you need perseverance to be mature, complete, and lack no good thing. I praise God for it because he's sharpening us. I tell our team that all the time. Get knocked down, get back up. Get knocked down, get back up. The most important thing you'll do is get up. Even Muhammad Ali got knocked down, but what did he do? He got up. Tying your identity to what you do instead of who you are as a child of God, I tried that one. That's a recipe to crash and burn, I promise you that. For years and years, I wrapped my identity as Matt Deggs, a baseball guy, Matt Deggs, a player, Matt Deggs, a coach. Everything about me was wrapped up in that and living a life of sin. God really, and, and, and like Coach Robe used to say all the time, I look back in the book of Genesis and nowhere in there did it say, hey, dude, I need you to coach a little baseball or play a little baseball. Really, what's he call us to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And I didn't see those things until I started walking a life of faith and sacrifice and obedience and service. And I saw that God shines brightly down upon those things. I had gone from bearing no fruit in my life to very little fruit or sometimes even rotten fruit. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. In me, you can do all things. Apart from me, you will do nothing. I plugged into God, and that's where I found my identity. As a man, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a coach, I went from transactional to transformational. Because I'm telling you guys, all things are possible. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he makes all things beautiful in his time all things in his time and plants eternity in every man's heart and I close with this and this is all true God's promises are real you guys know that along this journey that we've been on me and my family going around the block not once but twice heck maybe three times we've been up and down the top of the mountain falling butt over tea kettle all the way down the mountain landed with a resounding thud got up dust ourselves off and started climbing back up it was like God, you know, and I, I started with this. There was times I didn't want to live. I would have to sleep with Chloe just to hold her and feel her heartbeat just to go on. But there was times that God would just give me that God wink. It was supernatural stuff, crazy stuff that you can't explain. That 28 that I just showed you as if to say, just keep going. Don't you quit. It's not in your heart to quit. I promise you, don't quit. I've got something on the other side. I'm going to share a couple with you. The first one is what I called a vision. That summer of 2011, nobody would hire me. After the season was over, that's when all the baseball jobs come open. And I went for every job imaginable. And you had to sit down at the computer and you had to fill out all the resumes and the applicant. And I was horrible at that stuff. I hated that stuff. And I got turned down for yet another job. And I had to just go lay down and I went and laid down and I was in that state where you're kind of, kind of sleeping, but kind of awake like some of you guys are right now. <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> but I was in that, that state right there and it's at that instant God really did. He put three visions on my heart that summer and I drew each one of them. If you come to the office, I'll show them because I made myself a promise if I ever get back in this game, I'm going to hang that stuff in my office. I'm not an artist. I'm not a poet, but I've got that side to me, and I recorded these things, and that's a picture of one right there. God showed me that day this huge flea market, let's say 10 times the size of this building, and this flea market is teeming with people, and at the back of this flea market are these most beautiful queen palms you've ever seen in your life in these majestic planters and it's a beautiful queen palm and a majestic planter and a beautiful queen palm and a beautiful queen palm and a beautiful queen palm and at the very end is this little bitty old queen palm that's slumped over and it's kind of wilting it looks like the last christmas tree at the christmas tree lot y'all know the one i'm talking about and God spoke to my heart at that instant because people were coming up to these things and they were amazed at them and they were buying them. And God said, you see those queen palms over there? Son, everybody is going to buy those. He said, but you see the one at the end? I want you to know something, son, right now. That queen palm is you and nobody's going to buy you. But one day they will. And he took me to Job 
8, 5 through 7, it says, Even now, if you will rouse yourself on God's behalf, he is faithful. And though your beginnings will seem humble, prosperous will be your future. God's promises are real. I went from that day in 2011 to signing the largest contract in the history of the Southland Conference several years later because I never quit and I got back up and I responded and I took one single action and God grabbed me up and stripped me of everything and made me a new creation and I'll walk with faith and sacrifice and obedience. This one here, we were living in College Station. I was about as low as you can get. This is the hard part about being fired or unemployed and there's several people in this room I'm sure can identify this. The hardest part for me that entire time was waking up because everybody else I knew, what did they have at that juncture? They had somewhere to go. They had somebody that needed them, somebody that depended on them. And it was driving me crazy, so I got to the point where I started jogging, and I would run around the neighborhood. I don't look like I jogged, but back then I jogged a little bit, okay? And it was actually a three-mile trek, and I could make the whole thing without walking, Tib. Except this one day I needed an excuse. We lived in College Station, and I was so arrogant, which y'all need to understand is Huntsville, Texas is probably, what, 45 minutes from College Station? That's where Sam Houston State is. I knew nothing about them. I didn't care about them. They were way beneath me. I was so far above them. I'd have never thought about Sam Houston State. And I'm jogging down this path one day, and I see this white rectangular piece of paper in the grass. So I decided to stop and pick it up. And what I picked up was an unused baseball game ticket to a Sam Houston State Bearcat baseball game. Now, that was 2011. Just three years later, I'd be named the head coach there. And I put that ticket in my pocket because that day it gave me a little bit of hope. Tonight's about hope, right? That ticket gave me a little bit of hope because I still had an ounce of faith in me. Remember how I said the enemy, what's the number one thing that he wants to do to you? He wants to blind you. Well, see, that's great, but now my eyes were open in 2014, and this really happened. I was bebopping through our house. We lived in Milton, because why did we live in Milton? I lost everything for us. I'd finally gotten my family back, praise the Lord, okay? But we couldn't afford to live in Lafayette. The prices weren't anywhere near what they were in the Houston area. And I had blown through everything. We lost everything. So we lived in a little bitty house in Milton. Praise God, it was awesome, too. Just amongst a bunch of sugar cane. And, and it was just, when I would think about that house, God would just take me to Isaiah 43, 18, 19. It says, forget about the, the former things. Don't dwell on the past. He said, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Now it springs up. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. It was like, get back to simple, son, and I will grow y'all. And I'm bebopping through our house one day, and I see this sign. That's the sign. And it says, every day's a gift. And I thought, son of a gun. What a sign. That sign's exactly right. Every day is a gift. I was starting to appreciate things again. I told myself that day, I said, I can't wait for Kathy to get home. I'm going to compliment her on how much I like the new sign. And so she gets home from work. She, uh, she was the uh, Mother's Day Out Coordinator at Our Savior's Church. And uh, she gets home, and I said, babe, I've been waiting to tell you this, but I love the new sign. 
She said, what sign? I said, you know, the new sign. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. She probably had a long day. I'll forgive you, okay? Uh, she's like, I don't know what sign. I said, you know the sign. What sign? Now we're about to get in a fight over the sign that I like. And she said, babe, are you talking about this sign? And I said, yeah, the sign. I love it. Goodbye. She said, that sign's been in our house for five years. That sign was in our house in College Station. I never saw the sign. But my eyes were open. If my identity was wrapped up in baseball, what I hid behind was my number. I was always number 15 in everything I did from a kid all the way up through whatever level I was at, I was number 15. Well, the funny part about not having any job offers and then you finally get just the one is you got no leverage, okay? So I show up in the middle of the season in 2012. And uh, I'm, there's a game that night. I show up, they go, hey, here's your jersey. Oh, sweet, I was waiting on number 15. Well, they flipped me number 28. And I'm like, 28? I'm 15. Nah, they said, hey, uh, we got a freshman in 15. That's Dylan Butler. And I was like, okay, I'll get this from uh, this freshman. No, that won't be a problem. And then I went out and watched him take BP, and I was like, oh, gosh. I'm not getting this number for at least three years. <laughs> I was like, 15? Who's, or 28? Who's 28? 28 sucks. I don't even like 28. But now my eyes were open. God knew what he was doing. Years later, I started to see. My name is Matthew. How many chapters are there in the book of Matthew? There's 28. Kathy and I's anniversary, guess what day that's on? 28th. The day Rob Childress and I took over at Texas A&M, both of our dream jobs, that was my best friend right there. Guess what day it was? 28. He came from the University of Nebraska. I came from the University of Arkansas. We met right in the middle on the 28th. Guess how many days, and that's an actual picture of the room I stayed in. Guess how many days I spent in rehab? 28. Guess what day it was I quit drinking. You don't have to guess. I told you. Yeah, you got it. It was 28. I was still drinking when they handed me that jersey. The day I was hired at Sam Houston State in the summer of 2014, after that crazy run that we had where we should have won the national championship, guess what day that was? That was the 28th. That morning before they called to offer me the job, Kathy's devotional that morning came out of Genesis. Guess what chapter? 28, guess what verse? 15. <laughs> Can't make it up. And it says, I will be with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you till I've done what I have promised you. I'm just telling you guys, all things are possible. All things. Yeah, well, I got a bonus one. You want to see one more? Okay. The picture on the left and the top right 
Guess what that is? It's a feed store slash mill. I can't make this up. You know how I told you I drove to work every single day at Sam Houston? What did I say I drove past first? Prison, because I didn't, I didn't want to live as a captive again, right? Do you know what was right next to the prison that I had to pass? A feed mill. And then I cross over the street and our new church was right there. And then you hang a left to get to the stadium. The street you cross over from the prison and feed mill to get to our church, guess what street number that is? 15. <laughs> you guys have been awesome tonight. Thank you guys so much. I hope to see you at the ballpark. Love you guys. Thank you. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. Thank you. So to add on to Matthew 28, the title of Matthew 28 is The Resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 28, verse 6. So when you checked your clock, it was 628. Psalm 28, verse 6. Blessed be the Lord who has heard the sound of my pleading. The Lord is my strength and my shield in whom my heart trusts. I am helped, so my heart rejoices. With my song, I praise him. Unbelievable. Can't make it up. I'm Can't just make it you. up. Holy Spirit is pretty powerful. <laughs> We thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. For sharing your heart, um, your passion. You're welcome at Sacred Heart any day of the week. We'd Even though I know you. Coach Tibb. Even though Coach Tibb is here, yes. He's a parishioner. Here. He is. Okay. He is. His kiddos are at school next door. Yeah, we, we'll still welcome you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. You and your family. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Yes. And um, we're going to transition into adoration. So when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus our own personal resurrections that happen throughout our life, what better way to pray with that than looking at him face-to-face? Face-to-face in the real presence of the Eucharist. And so as we, we transition into that time, we invite you to take whatever stance it is that is most comfortable for you, to sit, to kneel, to stand. Um, we'll have our beautiful praise and worship happening at that time too but we just truly invite you to find what is your 15 what is your 15 tonight what is it in your life that you want to grow from that you want to make new that you want new life to consume doesn't mean the scars and the hurt and the struggles go away but they don't have to be what define you does not have to be your identity so as we just enter into that maybe just close your eyes for a second take a second to think what is my 15. 
Where do you want to open your heart to Jesus tonight and give him permission to bring new life?